What is up? This is Perry Noble, and you're about to listen to a message from this year's NLC conference at New Spring Church. Before, but before you do, don't forget, next year, go ahead and save the date. Registration has not began, but September 6th of next year, that would be 2012, we're going to have NLC here at New Spring Church again with Stephen Furtick, Judd Wilhite, Andy Stanley, James McDonald, Matt Chandler, Judah Smith, and myself. It's going to be an amazing day. I hope you can join us. But for now, I hope you really enjoy this talk from NLC this past year. Good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Wow. Wow. All right. All of those people came with me. I bring my own love when I go on the road. Can't take no chances. We did. We bring a... A truckload of people every time that New Spring does something because we always know it's going to be an amazing day. Nobody does it. In fact, to, to just kind of make my point, nobody does it like New Spring in terms of hospitality and excellence and honor. Um, I wanted to take a moment and all clap our hands and just show gratitude to this amazing team, the people who took a day off of work to come serve us today. I said, at, uh, I said at one point when we were promoting the conference that this is like the conference equivalent of a Brazilian steakhouse, you know, like Fogo de Show or something like that. And uh, last year when Perry did it, he put me last. And that was tough. That was a tough assignment because everything was so good all day. I don't know if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse. I took Pastor Craig Rochelle to his first Brazilian steakhouse this week. And... Um, you take your card and you know you put it on green when you want them to bring you meat and then you put it on red when you've had enough and uh, so I want to give you a tip because I've done this conference before some of you it's your first time okay a lot of great stuff coming today uh, Pastor Judah, Pastor Mark Driscoll, Pastor Craig Rochelle, Pastor Judd Wilhite uh, you already heard what I think is one of the finest messages Perry Noble's ever preached really man I never heard you any better than that that was outstanding outstanding and uh, who else is preaching today that I forgot to say? Andy Stanley. Andy freaking Stanley. How are you going to leave out Andy Stanley? <laughs> so, um, but here's my tip for you, okay? Uh, a lot of stuff coming your way today. Uh, keep your card on green all day. Don't turn it over to red. Just keep eating, man. Get all the protein in you you can. Turn to somebody next to you tell them keep it on green. You got to keep it on green. Stay hungry. That's good. Well, turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 48. Psalm chapter 48. I want to deliver a simple message to you today. It's kind of a seminar more than a sermon. It's not an exegetical message. It's kind of a topical thing. Don't tell Driscoll. But... I want to share uh, some thoughts with you today on the subject of gratitude. I just want to talk about gratitude. It's something the Lord's been dealing with me about. And uh, I knew that you would hear so much fine preaching today that I really wanted to set a tone after the conference host came up and torched the place with fire from John chapter 2. Um, I feel like my contribution today is to talk to us about gratitude, being grateful. 
And um, part of me didn't want to preach this message because it feels so unprofound. And uh, yet this isn't some kind of um, preaching royal rumble or something like that. I just want to do my part and then get out of the way and listen. And I felt like the Lord would have me to talk to you about gratitude today. Um, Gratitude is one of the most important things in your walk with God and especially in your leadership life. Uh, Gratitude is one of the highest, most important virtues. It is of overarching importance and supreme value to our God, having a grateful heart. And I just want to read a few verses for foundation. i got a lot of scripture I'm going to read up front to give you a little Bible study that you can take back. Because one of my hopes in presenting this message is that you can take the teaching that I'm about to present and go back and teach it at every level of your church or your family, or whatever it is that God has called you to lead in your department. I uh, wrote this sermon sitting in Pizza Hut with my family. It, it came to me real quick. Sermons always come in different ways for me. Usually it's very agonizing of trying to really figure out what God wants to say to our church, what he's already said in the text, how those connect. It's an agonizing thing. I'm always thinking about sermons all the time, writing stuff down. Um, planting seeds, trying to keep these little patches of, of fertile soil going in my mind and in my heart so that I always have something for the people from the Lord. And so I feel like I'm just constantly taking seeds, planting them, and I'm like, okay, here's a little idea, and I'm going to put that there, and, and okay, little seed, you do your thing, and you grow, and maybe you'll be a sermon one day, maybe you'll be a weed, I don't know, but here you are, a little sermon, okay. And then, you know, when the sermon is birthed, and months later or whatever, you kind of get it up, it's like sending a kid off to college, like, yeah, okay, little sermon, go out into the world and make a difference. I've, ta- I've taught you and studied you the best I know how, and here you go. And so this sermon, though, is totally different. Sitting in Pizza Hut. Um, these thoughts came to me about gratitude. Boom, 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 boom. I'm asking the waiter, I'm like, give me a, give me a napkin. And so I'm writing on a napkin, run out of room on that napkin, get another napkin, write on that napkin, shove the napkins in my pocket, took them home, put them on my dresser. Next morning, get up, going into a staff meeting at our church. And I, something told me to grab the napkins. I put them in my pocket, um, walked into the staff meeting and felt like I wanted to teach the staff what the Lord was teaching me. That's the best stuff. That stuff is just right out of your pockets with some grease stains on it, uh, fresh from the night before. You know, not that you don't study. You know, I'm not saying that. I, I know somebody's thinking that. You suck so much. Why are you being so judgmental? I would never not study. I'm saying that it has to come from your heart. But I'm like, all right, let me pull these napkins out um, and teach you guys this stuff. And man, it set our staff on fire. Then I taught it to our church, set our church on fire. It changed our culture. It's helping us so much. Because I feel like that one of the main things that I have to fight against all the time as a pastor is to just keep a thankful heart. And that's why one of our, our core values in our church is we will not take this for granted. This is special. I'm not going to pretend like this is normal. I'm, I'm not going to just drink it all in and not appreciate the God who gave it. And I have to fight that in my own life all the time. And so let me read just a passage for foundation where the psalmist says in uh, Psalm 48, verse 12, uh, he's talking about after a battle has happened and God has preserved his people. He says this, walk about Zion, go around her, count her towers. 
Consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Walk about Zion, he said, and count her towers. This is a picture of someone who has been through some battles and stood through some stuff but they're still standing by the grace of God. And so you walk about and you not only take inventory, but you count the towers to say, God, you were with me and it looked like I was going down. But how many of you have a testimony that God has kept you into this point, that you wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for the grace of God? Do I have any grateful people in the house who can count some blessings in your life? So... Straight from my Pizza Hut napkins to your heart and your church and your life. We're going to go on a walkabout today. That's what they say in Australia. Walkabout Zion. You see how I tied that together? Walkabout. And we're going to look at some things about gratitude. First, a few more scriptures. I'm going to give you five scriptures and then five observations on gratitude. The first scripture I wanted to read for foundation is Psalm 69, 30 and 31. Where the psalmist says, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. And this will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. Gratitude is important to our God. So it's got to be important to us. And God says, it's more important to me that you're thankful, that your heart is appreciative of who I am and what I've done. That's more important to me than bulls and goats and oxen. It's more important than systems and structures and strategies. A grateful heart is really, really important to God. There's nothing more important in your relationship with him. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. You want the presence of Jesus to show up in your church like Pastor, so, oh, Pastor Perry so eloquently spoke about? Have a grateful heart. God will show up in the situations of people who are grateful for their situation. Even when your situation seems to be pretty dysfunctional right now, God is attracted to grateful people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Nothing can lift you out of negative circumstances like gratitude. One time Paul and Silas were locked in prison and they started singing praises to God. And in Acts 16, 25, it says that at midnight, everyone's chains were loose. There was a great earthquake and the prison doors flew open because they praised God in the midnight hour. It's important to be grateful. Gratitude can open prison doors and lift you out of the miry Am I doing pretty good? Say amen. Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we should enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. God has a protocol for how he wants to be approached. He says, when you come into my presence, when you come into a conference, when you gather together to meet, the first thing I want to hear out of your mouth is thank you. Don't ask me for anything until you thank me for everything. So when you come in my presence, God says, before you say, please, see, I teach my kids that you say, please, and then thank you, please. And when you get it, you say, thank you. God says, no, no, no. I'm a different kind of father. I want thank you before you say, please. 
So don't come up in New Spring Leadership Conference talking about, God, I need a breakthrough. God, I need a miracle. God, I need some wisdom. God, I need a word. Until you say, God, thank you for the wisdom you have given me. It's just a little bit right now, but it's growing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I feel like God is on this message. I feel real good. Woo! And one thing about preaching in Perry's church is you can say whatever you want, and it's not going to be offensive. It's going to be mild compared to whatever he said last Sunday. It's a really good feeling. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, we have this command. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God just want to know your will. Should we buy that building? Should we hire that staff? Should I move to that city? Should we make this move? I don't know about all that. But I know that God's will for you is this. Be thankful. Be grateful. Appreciate him and, and give praise to his name. We can all agree on that much from the Bible. So now five observations. Oh, I got one more scripture too. This makes actually six. You count the first one, but the first one was a setup for these five. So number five on the B list. Colossians 3, 17 says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, what are you going to do? Whatever he tells you to do. Perry told you that already. Weren't you listening? Whatever you do that he tells you to do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Gratitude is so important to God. Now, five observations on gratitude. This is where the napkins come in. And the sermon has developed a lot since then. Now it's on an iPad. Five observations on gratitude that I want to share with you. They'll change your life. They'll change your church. And each one of them, I feel like, will resonate with a different pocket of people, okay? Take this stuff, receive it first for yourself, and then pass it along to others. It'll change the culture of your church. Do I have any Elevation staff members here who would agree this teaching is changing our church? It's really, it's really helping us. Okay, all right, number one, gratitude is never invisible or silent. It's like, oh yeah, grateful, I love him, grateful, he's a grateful people, we should be grateful, the Bible says be grateful. I want to talk about specifically now a little bit, what does that look like? Well, gratitude is never invisible or silent. Luke 6, 45 says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I put down a little modern version of that. Out of the overflow of the heart, the fingers tweet. I can't stand a staff member, here's why, who's always tweeting about how tired they are. Meanwhile, you got a volunteer in the church who does on their day off what you get paid to do every day. I don't want to see on Twitter how tired you are. I got four people that agree with that in this whole church. Maybe it's because you're the one tweeting how tired you are. Maybe you're kind of tired right now. But when you're grateful, here's what you need to know. You'll say it and you'll show it. When you're grateful to God, you'll tell him and you'll show him. When you're grateful to God for others, you'll tell them and you'll show them. People say some dumb stuff. Well, I'm grateful uh, just in my heart. I'm just not real good at saying it. I'm not real good at showing it. But, but you know, you know my heart. No, I don't. What am I, a freaking cardiologist? I don't know your heart. I don't know your heart. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth has to speak. So if you're really grateful, it'll show up in your life. 
And I can think of no better example than this in a clip from a worship service. I mean, uh, broadcast taping from uh, Oprah, the Oprah show. Um, Oprah now doesn't have her show anymore. She has her, she started her own denomination, I mean, network. And she's going to cover the earth with Oprah. Like the waters cover the sea. And so Oprah all the time. Praise God for Oprah. I pull a little clip. I know you've probably seen this before. There's a Saturday Night Live skit about it. It's iconic in our culture. I pulled a little clip from her Oprah's Favorite Things show. You know, where she gives away all this crazy stuff. She gave away um, on this particular one. She did two shows back to back because it was her last year. And the people in the audience, they don't know that they're going to get all this stuff. Don't look at me fronting like you don't ever watch Oprah. You've seen this before. And they're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, you do. You, you, watch, it. you watch it. And you should, man. It's, it's, it's inspiring. I'm going to show you in a minute. This has a lot to teach us about worship, okay? This clip I'm about to show you. And this is the clip right after the people found out that they happened to be present at Oprah's Favorite Things show. And I'm gonna show you this clip and then I'm gonna preach a little bit about Oprah. All right, roll it, guys. So how about we meditate on this? Now, if they can be that thankful about a $130 tub of popcorn and some sparkle Uggs and a Volkswagen Beetle, I know the church of Jesus Christ ought to be able to give God praise for forgiveness. Are there any grateful people in the house? Anybody who's not just grateful in your heart, but you're willing to say with your life, God, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I wouldn't be here without you. I'm nothing apart from you. It's all because of you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for cleansing. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for opportunity. Thank you for loving someone like me. I don't need some hugs to be grateful. Please be seated. Please be seated. If you're grateful, you'll say it and you'll show it. Quit assuming your staff knows you appreciate them, Pastor, and tell them. Thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Quit assuming that your pastor knows that you're grateful for him, staff, and start saying it. 
I thank God for a pastor like you. I thank God that every week I get to hear a word. I thank God for your sacrifice. Grateful. I wish everybody on the next break, don't do it while I'm preaching. Don't you dare do it while I'm preaching. Would pull out their phone and send a message on Twitter or Facebook to the leaders that are here with you that loved you enough to bring you to this conference and say, thank you for investing in me. Thank you for the opportunity. I wish every pastor would put their arm around their leader like, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to show you. Elevation staff, we would not be a church without New Spring Church. When we come to Anderson, we call it the motherland. Now, you're laughing, but this is the first place where we ever got believed in, invested in. They sit around and tell us about how how to create momentum and how to stay stay true to the mission and all of that. And so I'm never going to let a month or... A year go by that I don't look at that staff from New Spring Church and say, thank you. Standing on your shoulders and thank you. Wouldn't be here without you and thank you. In fact, I thought about 200 elevators could just take a moment right now and say thank you to New Spring because we wouldn't be here without them. I just thought if they can clap about Uggs, y'all are going to have to make a little more noise. You're up there in the balcony. Why don't we do that all the time? Why aren't our lives like that? What, y'all are taking my preaching time. Sit down. Why aren't our lives like that? Just like, man, thank you. And I know, I know that we have to be real. I know that we can't always walk around with praise the Lord. I know that we have to have confrontation. But I'm just telling you that most of us aren't in danger of being too grateful. That's not what we're struggling with. So if you're really grateful, you'll say it and you'll show it. Unexpressed gratitude is a lost opportunity to give God praise. Number two. This is a little bit more of what gratitude does. That's what gratitude is. This is more what gratitude does. Gratitude sustains joy and blessing in your life, in my life, in your church, in my church, in your family, in my family, in your business, my business. Gratitude sustains joy and blessing. A lot of people get a blessing, but don't know how to keep a blessing because they don't know how to be grateful. I'm going to stay on this until you say amen about it. I'll give you an illustration. Maybe this will help. Some of y'all might not be able to see this. I don't know what we can do with the cameras or whatever. Sorry for going out of the thing. I just got to do this real quick. Um, You ever watch the guitar players play and how... They're doing all this stuff with their hands. That's how you play guitar. Any guitar players in the house? Any guitar players? How many just musicians in the house? You play an instrument, piano, or whatever? Okay. The interesting thing when the guitar players are playing, if you ever look down at their feet, this is a, a pedal board, um, effects pedals that are all together. They're chained together with all these different cables. And if you'll ever notice when Lee McDermott is playing a sick guitar riff like Stevie Ray Vaughan in the middle of... Jesus, something about that name. If you ever notice, he's doing a lot with his hands, and that's what we all look at. But if you ever look down at his feet, you'll notice a couple things. Number one, you'll notice that his jeans are so tight at the bottom, they're about to cut off the circulation from his calf to his ankle. That's the first thing you'll notice. Second thing you'll notice is that he's doing almost as much with his feet as he is with his hands. And what he does down here is as fundamental to the sound you hear as what he's doing up here. So you're seeing it up here, and the note's going, 
And so you're watching him do that, and you're like, how does he do that? A lot of that he's doing down here, he's just hitting the note, and then what he does down here is what makes it go and echo out. What this pedal board is to the sound of a guitar, gratitude is to the blessing of God in your life. So a lot of the time that we're saying, oh, my situation needs to get better. No, no, no. You just need to learn how to work the notes that God is already playing in your life. You need to learn how to sustain the blessings that he's already given. And you do that through gratitude. Does anybody uh, uh, remember a time in your life where you, where you relived an offense over and over again through bitterness? The same perverted power that enables you to live an offense over and over and over again because of bitterness and unforgiveness. If the Holy Spirit is in you, if Christ is in you, you can relive the blessing of God over and over and over again. And you can sustain the blessing of God so that even in prison, you can flash back to a time in your life when he was faithful. Gratitude sustains joy and blessing. Say amen to that. Number three. I guess this is my favorite point, probably the most confrontational. Up until now, it's been relatively uplifting. You agree? I mean, a few little cheap shots here and there, but mostly uplifting. This one is, is the one that, that has been challenging me, okay? Gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. Gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. See, you can't be grateful for something that you feel entitled to. That's why people don't write thank you notes to the IRS for their tax refund. Because that's your money. I remember when God first called me to be in ministry and I was a youth pastor of this little church and 30 kids, brought them in from the trailer parks of Monk's Corner, South Carolina, in vans. And I was just grateful that he let me serve him. I don't know what your calling into ministry was like. I don't even know if you really know what I mean by calling into ministry. I mean, we're all called into ministry, but I'm saying, remember the first time God used you and how grateful you were that he would just use someone like you? You just go, oh, I can't believe I get to do this. And then what you used to get to do, now you got to do because of entitlement. God just sent me here for some of you today to remind you that you get to. You're not entitled to any of it, then I'm not entitled to any of it. I was talking to Holly on the phone last night. I was kind of complaining. It's been a real busy season. I was really glad to be here. I've been looking forward to it for so long, but there's a sermon waiting back home, and I know that although all these good things are going to come out of today, I also know that that sermon's going to be staring me in the face when I get home. And <clears throat> My kids, it was crazy yesterday. While I was leaving town, my son Elijah at the gas station, he's six, pulled the nozzle out of the tank and gasoline went flying all up in his eyes and everything and they took him right to urgent care, washed it out, major drama fest. He's a very dramatic young man. Uh, we have no idea where that might come from in the lineage, <laughs> but like, he's okay, everything's okay. I'm just telling you, it was like chaotic and I was kind of telling Holly, oh, so much is going on, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I stopped in my tracks. I said, you know what? I'm talking to you in the hotel room, getting to go speak tomorrow, to a couple thousand church leaders, like with my best friends in the world, 
Pastor Perry, Pastor Craig, they're like my guys. I get to speak between my two best friends in ministry to all these people and encourage them and help them. And I got my laptop open to my sermon about gratitude. And listen how I'm talking to you. I'm sorry. And then I called one of my staff guys. And I said, hey, earlier when you were in the room, I was kind of complaining. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. I already told God I'm sorry. I told Holly I'm sorry. I'm telling you I'm sorry. But see, that entitlement thing, it just comes in, doesn't it? Best way I can describe it to you is this. When I first got a job at a church, I had been traveling as an itinerant preacher at some different events with our friend Clayton King. And you would get paid by each organization, but because I was like a traveling speaker, you would only get a check from that person. And then you didn't have your health insurance covered by any church. You paid your own health insurance. I remember the first time I got a job where I found out they were going to pay my health insurance, how excited I was. And it was like, um, they sat me down, they were like, here's going to be your salary, da 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 And then, but that doesn't include benefits. I'm like, what, is, what are benefits? Just married, you know, been paying my own insurance for a while. They said, yeah, well, you know, there's your base salary and then cover your health insurance and all that. I said, really? They said, yeah, it's part of the benefits package. Well, I was so proud when I left the office that day. I was telling all my friends, I was like, hey, man, you're not going to believe this. This job I got. I had a benefits package. And they were all a little older than me and had lived a little while, so they were all like, yeah. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's the salary. Salary's a good salary. But then that doesn't include the benefits package. And they're like, yeah, it's a benefits package. It's just part of every job that you go into. It's standard. And I was like, yeah, I know. Sucks. Hate my job. Freaking ripping me off. I need some dental, too, up in here. Just like that. Something that seemed like such a blessing just became a part of the package. And, and so I wanted to shake some of us today, okay? I know you might even be a bivocational pastor or leader or you're not paid a cent. But do you remember when, when the first time you realized that just to be used by God is a blessing? That just to be touched by Him, that just to even know Him and to get to reach out is a blessing? Where in the world did we get off thinking that we're entitled? That He's lucky to have us? Like if Jay-Z could really get saved and get his life for the Lord, then the Lord would really be able to do something. God doesn't need you. God doesn't need Kanye. God doesn't need Jay-Z. God is God all by himself. And beside him, there is no other. And we're blessed to be serving him. And we're blessed to have a relationship with him. See, when your sense of entitlement is really high, your sense of gratitude is really low. But when your sense of gratitude is really high, your sense of entitlement is really low. There's an inverse relationship. So, Pastor, you want to keep your church on fire for God? I know this doesn't seem like a leadership message, but I'm telling you, what I'm teaching you right now, if you can get it imparted, it'll change everything. Because people will come getting to rather than guiding to. And when they do, they'll realize that every day you have mercy from God to wake up and breathe and strength the serve him is a blessing you know what i think messes us up in terms of realizing this especially with our paycheck you know is that i get paid by direct deposit how many of you get paid in your job by direct deposit you don't cash a physical check that's great it's convenient i love it but there's something that it just takes away even of just having like a physical check that you get it's not the same to get the statement that tells you that the money went in your account because for a lot of us it goes right back out after it comes in. 
We don't even get to hold it for a minute before we give it to the power company. So it's like where you used to get a check and take it and cash it, or like, I don't know what you did in your past life, you used to get like a wad of cash and you'd t- take that and hide it under the mattress or whatever, you, whatever your thing was. When you get a direct deposit, it's like the same amount of money, it's awesome. But remember how we read that it pleases the Lord when we're grateful more than the hooves of oxen and more than, more than bulls and more than sacrifice? You know, in the Old Testament, and I'm glad to be a new covenant Christian, I believe that I have a new and better covenant in Jesus and I'm grateful for it, but at least in the Old Testament, they had a regular reminder with the stench of the blood and the bile of the animals that they would lay upon the altar of what their sin cost and how much forgiveness wasn't free. Now, you and I, who are believers in Jesus, every morning that we wake up, we have a direct deposit of God's mercy and grace in our account. A direct deposit, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. Don't you ever start to see it as just part of the perks of the package. We don't deserve to be here. If he doesn't breathe out, you don't breathe in. And what God wants to break off of some of your churches and your staffs and even our own lives today is an entitlement mentality that we say, Lord, every blessing comes from you. See, gratitude is not based on how good your situation is. It's based on how good you see your situation to be. That's why somebody with so much less than you is appreciating it so much more right now. Because when gratitude is really high, entitlement is really low. I think I'm just gonna do point four and leave point five for when Perry invites me back next year, okay? Point number four, let's close with this one. I feel like the Lord is moving in our hearts today. Do you sense that? Just making us grateful, making us thankful, making us appreciate it more. Look what we're doing today, y'all, on a Thursday morning in a nice building and the air conditioning and the flow is just right, atmosphere, with any snack you want right out there. Look at, well, I paid for it. I mean, I paid to be here. So... What that tells me is that you don't understand that God determines the places and times that you could live in. You could just as well be a pastor in the slums of Kampala making $2 a month. You don't have a clue what God did just to bring you here. You didn't get yourself here. You need to get off that and lift your palms to God and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm grateful. That's why you should say amen and that's right and preach during a sermon because it makes it a thing where it's not just you taking it in. I know you got to take notes and I know you can't always and I know you grew up. I grew up Methodist. I didn't grow up Pentecostal. We didn't say amen in church, but you know what? When the Lord came into my life, it was like the preacher would be preaching. He wasn't even very good. And I'd be like, I'd be like saying amen and nobody taught me to do that, but it's like, amen, that's good. You're talking about God. I love God. I can't handle this without saying something about it. I just got to say something. Some of you staff members can make your preacher preach so much better if you just lean forward and look at him like you liked him. This is the last point. I'm going to stop right here. Come on, any grateful people in the house? Anybody grateful for God's word, grateful for God's presence? Number four, 
close with this. Grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. Grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, or create a blessing in almost any situation. An example of this in our church would be a man named Larry Bry. He's been with us from the very beginning. See what I'm saying? He brings joy everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, he brings positivity. Everywhere he goes, he brings optimism. Everywhere he goes, he brings energy. I remember the first time our church had a real big rainstorm. I used to call Perry after all this stuff. I'd be like, oh, our attendance is down by 30% today. God has left. Ichabod, he'd be like, did it rain? Yeah, it rained. They'll come back. And they do. But you don't know that the first time. I remember it's raining, it's pouring, and, and our attendance plummets. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we've been going a couple of months. The momentum's gone. What did I say last week? And uh, so I'm kind of depressed because attendance is down. And Larry Bry... Um, comes back to my office after and sometimes you don't want to see grateful people <laughs> sometimes you know you're not in the mood for all that he's smiling and I'm like what are you smiling at the attendance sucked today it's pouring down rain and he was like gave us an opportunity for our greeters to shine pastor you'd have been proud of the greeters they never got to use those elevation umbrellas till today how did you make that out of this it's raining. At least I get to use my new umbrella. That's gratitude. <laughs> or how about this New Testament example? If you let me live, I'm going to tell more people about Christ. If you torture me, I'm going to get more reward from Christ. If you kill me, I'm going to be with Christ. Don't matter to me. Bring it on. It's all Christ. Grateful people are like that. Now, on the other hand, I got to hurry. The other, the opposite of that is this, and you'll agree. Negative people can find a burden, enlarge a burden, or create a burden in almost any situation. Don't look at them. Negative people can find a burden, enlarge a burden, or create a burden in almost any situation. And since I'm at New Spring, let me say it another way. I don't know how much this is resonating. Some people are crap factories. It don't matter what you put in, crap comes out on the other side. They will turn it into crap. Is it all right for me to say that in your church? You've already said much worse today alone. There is a spirit of inappropriateness that radiates from Perry Noble's pulpit. You can't help yourself. It draws you. You know any crap factories? Have you ever been a crap factory? I'm going to talk about me because I only know me. I was flying uh, on a plane the other day, and I was like, and, and, and they had Wi-Fi on the plane. So I got one of my staff members. I was like, can you make this thing go online? He did. Hand it back to me. And they were having staff meeting back home, and it was important, important staff meeting. And so they set it up where I could see it while I was on the plane. So I'm like, this is amazing technology. This is great. I'm watching my staff meeting, flying across the country to go preach. How amazing is this? And then the connection got interrupted and it stopped for a minute. And in a moment, I was like, you stupid piece of crap. Why don't you work? Why don't you work? Why does this thing work? This thing doesn't work. In a moment, I went from, man, technology keeps me connected to my church. What an exciting day we live in. To you stupid piece of crap. I'll throw you right now at that woman 
in, in this plane and I don't even care. Why? I'm a crap factory. In that moment, I'm a crap factory. I want to be grateful. I want to be Larry Bry. I want to pull out the umbrella. I want to be Mary Poppins. But I'm a crap factory in that moment. I'm like, ah, ah. And so, and sometimes God will just give you some perspective, you know, like a 30,000 foot altitude. So uh, in the moment, I'm shaking the phone, I'm looking at it. And uh, it's like, you're flying through the air like a bird, going to minister the gospel, holding a device in your hand where you're watching what your staff is doing back home. And the connection is a little too slow for you. Well, why don't we write about you in the next issue of Voices of the Martyrs? It's really hard for you right now. I understand. They're there. What's wrong with me? I'll give you a more personal example. This one's embarrassing. I'm being vulnerable here. But, all right, I'm walking through the mall a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago with my wife. We're out on a date. We're on our date night. You know how it is. You don't want to be bothered on your date night. So I'm walking through the mall. I love people. But that particular night, like a bunch of people stopped me. And they were like, oh, Pastor Stephen, you know, pray for me. Or here's what's going on. Usually people are just real respectful. But this night it was like, felt like a meet and greet in the middle of the mall. Okay. So I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, gosh, I can't even get to Cheesecake Factory without getting stopped by people. All right. So when I finally got to my table at Cheesecake Factory, kind of feeling sorry for myself, the Holy Spirit of God just spoke to me. And it was like this, not the exact words, but just like this. When you moved to this city six years ago, you asked me to give you influence. Now you're complaining about the very thing that I gave you. So we can fix this real easy. I'll just take your influence away. Nobody will stop you in the mall. You can eat wherever you want. I said, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm a crab factory, aren't I? He said, yes, you are. <laughs> we have a baby girl. We just had our first little girl. She's six months old. And she uh, was crying the other day, screaming her head off. And it was like, you know, I'm getting tense. I'm getting frustrated. And I'm like, why don't she stop? I hate this. It's so nerve-wracking. The Lord spoke to me and said, you prayed for that baby. You are complaining about a blessing that you prayed to receive. And it just changed my perspective. I said, I'm sorry, Lord. Some of you came here today complaining about the very ministry that you asked God to give you. But if you be grateful today, here's what it's like. College football season, any college football fans in the house? You know, Lamentations 3 says this, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed, because his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Well, in, in college football, I may be crazy for this, but I love in college and professional football how they have instant replay. And a lot of people think it like interrupts the game, slows down the pace of the game. Me, I love it. I love the instant replay factor. I love how they'll stop the play sometimes and they'll call it and they'll say, you know, the receiver is out of bounds and, you know, and then the, the play will be kind of close and they'll be like, well, we're going to watch it back and we're going to see whether or not he really was out of bounds or inbounds. And it's like, I've seen entire games, not only games, but I've seen entire seasons turn around because they looked at the play again and what they saw the first time wasn't what they saw when they looked at it the second time more carefully. And so they'll come out and they'll be like, if I could get my musicians to come out because we're going to just, we're going to end this session with worshiping God and praising God. But you know, I, I, um, I love when the official comes out and he goes, um, upon further review, and he either says one of two things. He'll either say, the ruling on the field 
stands and that means the official got it right he said he was out of bounds he was out of bounds he says that it was incomplete it was incomplete or sometimes they'll say this and i love it when they do because it's just it's so exciting he'll say upon further review the ruling on the field is overturned and the reason i love that is because here's what happened there was one call on the field but somebody challenged it and when they challenged the ruling on the field they send it in college football to a booth upstairs you see where i'm going with this this is going to be good when i land it and when they send it upstairs there's an official upstairs who can see what you can't see on the field and so they send it upstairs and they say hey look this over again and they look it over upstairs and then they have the ability to say hey the call on the field is what it looked like but the call upstairs is what it is and what it is is different than what it looks like and so here's what I came to tell you about this conference and what I pray God will do in your life over these next sessions okay there are some calls on the field right now in your life you have a reason to complain you have a reason to be discouraged you have a reason to be depressed you don't have what it takes you don't have what you need that's the ruling on the field but we have an official upstairs and what we've come here to do over the course of this day is to send our situation upstairs so that it can be upon further review and upon further review you don't have to walk in depression upon further review you have everything that God needs you to have to do everything he's called you to do in your life upon further review your marriage is not busted your life is not over you're not too old to make a difference come on any grateful people in the house who say I want to see my situation the way God sees my situation in the presence of God depression can be overruled overturned come on you got to worship him tell him Lord I love you Lord I thank you Lord I praise you I may be weak but your spirit is strong in me can we just sing that truth out today